on the last episode of Dice Funk. Motion at the Moss Heart and asked Dr. Sherry, Is that sentient? That's me. Do I have to roll something to survive the devil sugar or? Uh, you've seen so far Modrons that are spheres. Instead of a sphere, he is a cube. Then you have nothing to fear from me. <laughs> Security unit. Designation. Swift justice. Trout, do you hear the frogs? I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. Okay. Over and over and over. Can I just uh, cast Comprehend Languages as a ritual? Okay, so that was regular drops of the Tiger Mountains and uh, the forest. Yeah, the Glitter Gold gets stuff out of that portal to make their ships. So if we're trying to keep all the stuff out of this plane, we can't let them get anymore. We use the Moss Heart to guard it. While we take all the stuff we find, we throw it in the other hole. You don't have any other portals anywhere else? She takes her clawed gauntlet and taps on her helmet in the eye region. Detective Carter was felled in the line of duty. (laughs) Unit Swift Justice is no longer authorized to access the Temple of Primus. Wait wait a minute. I'm I'm a police officer. Hello, Deputy Lee. He has a tiny chainsaw. You can turn it off for now, but we might need it later. Reward is 10,000 gold pieces. Who's Isaac Rosemary? President Rosemary is the president of Glitter Gold. Isaac is his son. Quick recap, one murder every day without fail. Murder, single blow from a knife, coated with poison, but the death was always caused by the stab. And all the victims appear to be either financially or politically powerful. Powerful, which means that the weapon could simply be natural on the creature itself. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite my lip and just head for the Temple of Primus then. You hear a voice? It's a robotic voice, and it says... Welcome to the Temple of Primus, Drop Goodwood. We have been waiting for you. Johnny's 100% operational. That's what I need from him. That's me. Um, Every week. Um... I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm a bit, I'm a bit inoculated, mm-hmm. and the vaccination is hitting me a little hard this year. My head's kind of fuzzy, and I sort of got a bit of a like an ache that's sort of moving down the left side of my back and my left arm. But apart from that, I mean, that's like kids' play. I can deal with that kind of like crap in my sleep. That's the nano machines. <laughs> that's that's right. Are we, are we ready? <laughs> All right, so we're last we left uh, half of the party. Drop had walked into the Temple of Primus. We're going to start there, but I do want to ask the other team a question real quick, which is where are you guys going next? Because that may determine when or if I cut off the other scene. Well, I know one thing for sure I want to do before I go anywhere. Uh, since I cast uh, Comprehend Languages, I want to like listen to what the Kuatoa are saying. Mm-hmm. Not a location, but I'm on board. Uh, well, yeah, but before we go anywhere, like, on the way, I guess. And then, I guess, I don't know, where are we going, guys? Well, I believe we left last time being interested in solving, or at least resolving... The murders, right? Uh, the the murders, right. Murder crime! A mystery is afoot, so... Let's go to the mansion with our tiny law child. Alright, so the answer to the question I asked is Rosemary Manor? Yes, yes. Rosemary Manor. Ooh, so there's no reason for any of you guys to interrupt drop scenes, so we'll play it to the end. We may cut back and forth for structure, but... Ah, uh, yes. Structure. <laughs> the thing we pretend to have. Mm-hmm. So, Drop, you walk into the Temple of Primus, you use the Orc entrance. Um, mm-hmm. I think everyone has a pretty good picture of this temple in their mind and the kind of the purpose and culture of it. Not just in my mind, but also on Twitter. Somebody <laughs> tweeted yes. it earlier. Uh huh. It's on Twitter. It's on Roll Twenty. It's the simplest drawing, and it's non-spoilers, so there's no reason to keep it uh, under a bushel, right? Everyone can see it. Uh, on Roll Twenty, all I see right now is just a big black square. Yeah, I have uh, hidden it because I'm I'm working on some other stuff there. So there's but... there's plans. Of, there's there's because he's mysterious. Intrigue. Right. I, <laughs> I... <laughs> I am fully enigmatic. So what Drop sees when he walks in is the orc entrance. It's a long hallway. On one side, there's like orc art. On the other side, there's like art art. Orc culture. Art art. So there's only like one other person in the hallway. You see there's an orc. He's like looking at uh, some kind of displays. You see there's like documents. There's a history of the wars between the gnolls and the goblins. And talks about and it talks about how like the orcs uh, were instrumental in preventing that violence from spreading throughout Lorelei and thanking them for their service. Uh, the other side is all... Uh, cultural stuff so it's about like 
their contributions to the culinary arts. There's, there's a big diorama about like frying techniques pioneered by the orcs. Mm-hmm. And the guy standing in front of it rubbing his chin and, like, yes. And what yes. kind of hot sauces you can get into sausages? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, all of those uh, high-level techniques. Uh, but no one really pays attention to you as you walk in. And even as that voice comes over the loudspeaker and says, welcome to the temple of Primus, drop Goodwood. We've been waiting for you. Uh, that's definitely in the building, but no one, the guy in the hallway with you doesn't react. So it doesn't seem, doesn't seem out of place. The other things you notice are the ceiling of this hallway is made mm-hmm. out of glass, but there are bars that have been installed so that one cannot <laughs> just smash through and drop in. Like, I don't know, maybe somebody in the past may have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a thing to keep in mind. Right. But if you have any questions or you want to do anything, you're just standing just within the entrance. How would the ceiling react to somebody smashing it and then trying to go up? <laughs> you would be similarly obstructed by bars, but... He can't wiggle through them? It, I thought it might be a good idea to clarify. Yeah. They're one-way bars. A cat. Uh, so, it, well, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of uh, stuff going on immediately around me. I don't know. I'm not sure how Drop would react to that loudspeaker. He's kind of used to voices coming out of nowhere <laughs> and talking to him. So he might actually respond to it. He might be like, oh, hi. <laughs> you just say hi to nobody. And to your surprise, some words appear in the air in front of Drop. Um, I think he would probably assume they're illusion magic. But to us, mm-hmm. as out-of-character people in the meat space, I think we would recognize them as holograms. Hmm. Uh, and the words just spell out... Ooh. Hello, and they hang in front of Drop, and then they disappear after a few moments. That's cute. <laughs> and you see the other orc in the hallway ask a question about barbecue sauce, and uh, an answer. What appears. kind of what kind of cheeses you can put into sausages? Uh huh. He asks yeah. about yeah dry rub versus the honey based sauce, and uh, some words appear in front of him to answer his question, and he nods, and that they disappear as well. Do like orcs have like a sausage based diet or something? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I think that's more of Johnny. That's just his area of interest is sausage. No, I just, you know, like, you're talking about frying things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, obviously, if they're really into frying things, they're probably also really into putting other things inside other things. Because this is something I've noticed about frying culture is that it's not enough to fry things. It's got to be like, we made this thing, we put a bunch of cheese in it, and <laughs> then we fried it. I like putting things inside other things. Yeah, I bet. it's just that the most distinguishing features of lorelei orcs are that they're good chefs they have stopped this you know devastating war multiple times from breaking out Mm -hmm. and uh, i guess they're good at painting there's probably some really tasteful cubist paintings in this hallway as well they're nice yeah okay so um i'm i'm gonna speak into the ether Mm -hmm. and uh, and say so you can understand and answer my questions? Uh, the letters in front of you spell out yes. How do you know my name? I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say the letters spell out every time. Let's just yeah. assume there's. Let's let's have a conversation, mm-hmm. Austin. Yeah, Primus is with everyone who has law in their hearts. Mm. So not the rest of us. Because <laughs> <laughs> so quiet. I know the chaotic and neutral party members from across town were shook. <laughs> <laughs> While it's still high, she wouldn't have even thought about it. Yeah. Drop is the only lawful party member for anyone keeping yeah. score at home. Violet is, a, Violet is a police officer and yet somehow not lawful, which raises all kinds of weird questions. Yeah, because cops have never done anything wrong. Oh, God, <laughs> someone pulled the politics alarm. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say, I think I need your help. Something isn't right with the world. And I think I have to try and stop it. Lights along the hallway light up mm-hmm. as if to beckon you down the hallway. Let's follow them beckoning lights. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the temple is receptive to the thing you just said. Nice. But it's not an overly an emotional response. So it's not like, oh, yay, I'm so into that. It's just like, yes, understood. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, okay. But you walk down the hallway. It's pretty long. Um, as, as I said before, this kind of purpose of all these rooms is to get people in the doors so that they can be proselytized to at, mm-hmm. at the intersection, basically. And as you walk into this, what Lita called a repository, you see it is very impressive. In the center mm-hmm. of the room, there's a large black, almost like an obelisk, 
upon which there is a statue of what you assume is Primus. So it's a large mechanical being. The bottom of its torso and stuff is just a swirl of energy. Mm-hmm. And then it has a kind of humanoid upper body and head. And both of its arms are raised and they disappear into what appear to be stylized portals in each of its hands. Right. So not like not real portals, I'm assuming, but like no, it's a, it's all everything I just said is full statue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, that is the way Primus is drawn, both in the D and D books and in Episode Nine's YouTube and Patreon art, which was amazing. I shout out to all of our artists. You guys are phenomenal. They are great. That is the way Primus is traditionally drawn, and I have done nothing to change that. Around this big centerpiece, there are a number of is altars the right word? There's a number of like chest high pedestals there's a number of chest high pedestals diocese uh you guys want to just say synonyms for like stuff to put things on sure tables they're kind of like faces for exhibits right and on top of them right there are objects and which are enclosed in glass right so there's a big central thing with the statue on it and then all around it in a circle are other pedestals with exhibits that are covered in glass everyone got that mental image Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay uh, these appear to be the powerful religious and magical artifacts of which Drop has been informed. Do you want me to tell you what they all are? Because as you approach them, ho- like holographic descriptions pop up explaining what they all are. Drop some knowledge on me, Yorski. <laughs> all right. So I'm just going to run through all of these, then you can ask any questions after. Right. Because there are eight in this circle. Okay. All right. So the first one is a golden... It's called a loop, L-O-U-P-E. It's the kind of jeweler's mm-hmm. magnifying glass. The thing is, you ever see, they put in their eyes and then they look at gemstones. Yeah, like the really, really small telescopes. <laughs> it's like a baby telescope, exactly. It's like, a, it's like a baby telescope. It's like a telescope and a monocle had a baby. Oh, yeah, you guys are perfectly on the same page with me. This is a, a solid gold loop. And in the description that pops up, it is identified as Garl Glittergold's loop that he used while he was on the material plane. He discovered the gnomes and taught them humor, uh, magic, invention, creativity. Um, he is lawful good, and he left this here so that uh, his people could always find perfection in everything. So that's the first item. All right. You, you circle around to the next one. And in this glass case, there is a red helmet. The description pops up and it says, this is the helm of Groomsh. This was a helmet that was worn by the orc god of war and strength and conquest when he was on the material plane for one of the many campaigns of violence the orcs waged. It was metal colored when it was forged and was so stained with blood that it became permanently and irrevocably reddened. Gross. Is there any is there any particular odor to this case? <laughs> Not that I'm, you can I'm tell. I'm guessing I'm guessing it's a little there's a little bit going on, right? There's probably some funk inside that case. Okay. <laughs> some dice funk. Title drop. Oh, there um, it is. There it is. Uh, but it says <laughs> he abandoned it because he was wearing it in the fight where Corellin took his eye. Speaking of Corellin, the next item is a. Ooh, Long, flowing, ornate robe, identified as Corellin's personal robe, that uh, he wore while overseeing the Seldarine, is like the Elven Council of Gods. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, the formal wear, uh, most notably when they decided to cast Loth out from the Pantheon and into the Abyss, where she right. became a demon. So it's, so it's a robe of, like, plus six bureaucracy. <laughs> you assume <laughs> something like that, yeah. But it, yeah. it like, radiates, like, goodness and good vibes, uh, even from within the glass. And it tells you that mm-hmm. it's, like, a symbol of his authority. Could you, could you do the remaining five of these, like, you, you've got a segment on a shopping network? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I think that would be really funny, but I also want to get through it in a reasonable amount of time. All right, okay, continue. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is a silver arrow. It is identified as Sayanine Moonbow's arrow. Sayanine is a, the elf goddess who is often thought of as Corellin's wife. Scholars differ, but... The hangout. Yeah, <laughs> but the, she left the arrow behind once when she fought Loth, uh, and it's considered perhaps the deadliest arrow on the plane, and it is just sitting in there by itself on a pillow under glass. Next is uh, a teddy bear with three green wavy lines on its stomach. Uh-oh. Oh my god. And it says that there once was a god of change and travelers and luck 
but it disappeared from our world. Uh, whether it was killed or it simply abandoned the world is unknown, but whatever is left of its power is contained within this bear. <laughs> but nothing else is known about it. That's a that's a callback right there. Oh my, I love that. That's somebody is somebody is referencing my writing <laughs> in writing that I am participating in. This is meta. Wheels within wheels. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. Uh, the next item is a conch shell, which is a clearly been modified into a horn, and it talks about how the Kuatoa were once a pretty normal, quote unquote you know, typical sapient species, but they were mistreated so badly over so many years that they suffered a trauma to their collective unconscious, which is, of course, not a thing that can happen in our world. It's just completely separate from mental illness as we know it. But within the magic of D&D, uh, they as a species were uh, psychologically injured. They got a little bit of ink in the Spiritus Mundi. Yeah. And so, Poor fish babies. and so they've tried out a lot of different gods over the years, um, some of which of their own creation. There are myths that say that they literally create their own gods through willpower. But, you know, those are disputed. There's no proof and whatnot. Uh, but this is a symbol of one of the many gods they tried out who is a, a minor sea god. And this is just I don't a... know. I don't know, dudes. There's a big ass monster in the ocean <laughs> and everybody's like, ain't no gods for the Kuatoa. There's a All lot right. of them. And so that's that conch shell horn. Yep. Next is a scroll. It's pulsing with magic energy. Even under the glass, you see it's like shining as if there's a light inside, but it's never been opened. Uh, no one knows how to get it open, <laughs> but there's a seal on it, like a red wax seal, uh, which has the symbol of a bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And finally, there is what looks like a severed fang which is immediately identified by the description as belonging to one of the many spider forms Loth has taken over the years. She can be spiders anywhere from the size of like an atom to a skyscraper, but once she mm -hmm. took the form of a normal spider to hide from Corellin and, and Sayanine, and they discovered her and cut it off, and she escaped, but it was left behind and still contains some of her power. The, this fang? Yep. How big is this fang if she was disguised as a normal spider? Uh, well, normal for D and D. So. Oh, I see. You okay. know how spiders do. In our I world. know, but like you know, I assume that normal spiders in D and D still exist as well. Those are considered smalls, though. <laughs> okay. There's even like big spiders, like in, in real life. Yeah. Uh. It, so if you're trying to picture this fang, think of it as like a finger, maybe. Okie dokes. Yeah. All right. So I got I got a loop, a helm, um, a, a robe of plus six to bureaucracy, mm -hmm. an arrow, a teddy bear, a very very threatening looking teddy bear. <laughs> it is adorable. A, a conch, uh, a scroll, and a fang. Mm-hmm. That's what's in this room. Are there any other like empty cases or anything like that? Like maybe something of great power may have been there at some point in time, and oh I don't know, got taken. That's a great thought, but nope. They all appear to be accounted for. Everything everything looks complete? Everything in its right place. Okay. All right then. In its right place. So I'm gonna uh I'm I'm gonna address the statue, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna position myself in as if I'm I'm speaking to the statue. <laughs> and I'm gonna say I need some help to try and get Lorelai working the way that Lorelai is supposed to be working. And I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> and I don't want to be selfish. I want to I want to help get everything back to the way it belongs. And I think that one of these things might be the only way to help me. Uh, the statue doesn't speak to you. I actually just very strongly considered making it just suddenly be like, yo, dog, what's up? And it gets down and talks to you, which would be amazing. Like Zeus and Hercules? Yeah. My boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. That would be fantastic. But no, the letters appear once again, and it says, your goal is our goal. Lorelai needs law. We've been waiting, not for you specifically, but for others with law in their heart. If anything we possess can bring order, then... We want to help you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank the statue. I'm gonna say thank you. I, I think I need to think about this. All right. So I think the teddy bear's a bad idea. Hmm. 
if you need some time to think about it, we can cut to the other guys. Uh, well, there's there's one other thing that I wanna I wanna ask the um uh, I, I wanna ask before I before I think about this. I wanna say one other thing. Do you know about the voice that I keep hearing? The letters say, "We see into your heart, and we see something that should not be here." Ooh, so spooky. That's discomforting. We find it discomforting as well. <laughs> so helpful. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about this, you guys. Right. Time for forensic files. <laughs> take take the scroll. Take the scroll. I have no idea what's going on. I just like the teddy bear for obvious reasons. Uh-huh. I love Leon's roleplay style, which is to not pay attention until he's called upon, and then to be, and then to go stab it, just stab it. <laughs> I I know what's going on. I just like my my feeling is always like do the thing that's 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 cool or mm-hmm. cute, yeah. and the teddy bear is like obviously great. That's how I live life too. You so. know what the teddy bear is though, right, Leon? Look, let's just take it anyway for, <laughs> for, for, for continuity reasons. All right, so let's cut over to the other party. Uh, Elias, Violet, Lavinia, and Swift Justice are in the police station. Violet is high on the devil's sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we left it. Uh, Swift had just retrieved its chainsaw, which we don't, no one calls it that, but that's what it is. And you guys were discussing uh, Rosemary Manor and the 10,000 gold piece reward. I don't really care about the reward. I just want to find a murderer. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I bet she has munchies. <laughs> <laughs> There's a robot on me right now, which is really great. Mm-hmm. But like, like we 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 were, we were set to like investigate and go to the uh, ro- what is it called? Um, the the manor. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, I, I assumed we were going there. First, we have to listen to what the Kuatoa are saying. Tell me. <laughs> all right so lavinia leads the charge out of the police station into the street uh where she tracks down akuatoa who is sitting on the sidewalk mumbling and her magic allows her to comprehend its language so she she gets she has to get kind of close because she needs to be able to hear it for the magic to work so she has to kind of get up in his grill closer than she's ever gotten to <laughs> Will it like bite me if i pat pat its head you do not know until you try <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna do it all right i'm gonna pat that head it's slimy. That's okay. Uh, as you pat pat its head, which for the audience, that sh- she's petting it. Uh, <laughs> that's like, that's an inside joke baby talk. <laughs> that's true. No, that's a meme. Is, is it? Pat pat good crab. I- I've never heard of that before. The, the crab? Have you never seen the gif? It's a really good gif. I'll tweet it later. Okay. Oh, cool. We cannot get lost off our own meme butts on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get, get me out of here. <laughs> so you get up near this Kuatoa, and there's something you notice before the magic kicks in and translates his message, which is you haven't really analyzed Kuatoa physiology before, so you're not an expert or anything. But you definitely don't think that that they l- should look the way they look right now, which is its tongue is like black and sh- like shriveled and oozing some kind of ichor, mm. which is not how you think they should probably look. And just as you see that and think, that's weird and gross, the magic kicks in, and you hear what it's mumbling, and it is this. Mother, save us. We gave it everything. Mother, save us. We gave it everything. Oh. Oh. Over and over and over. That is so sad. (laughs) As it drools and stares do we take that gold from the locker nope god damn it you guys left the broken sword and the gold behind violet took the drugs though (laughs) in the safest compartment i'm just gonna put a leaf gently on top of its head (laughs) okay and go back to go back to everyone else and tell them what it was saying and be like oh yeah those guys are real messed up something's not right here hmm you look back and the Kuatoa picks the leaf off its head and eats it. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure he was hungry. There's there's definitely a number of issues on this island, as with every island we've come across <laughs> so far. <laughs> Some bad islands. Uh. <laughs> Elise is sort of trying to mull over what to do next because he's like, okay, so we had a plan for what to do. Here we're gonna get. We're going to do something right. We come here. Nope, everything's already kind of ruined. So is it crime time? 
No, no, no justice. It's not crime time. It's... Trick question! It is always crime time! Are, are you sure you're trying to stop crime? <laughs> <laughs> yes, always. You're such a good little justice. Violet loses it for a second and says, Let's go the matter, please! I want to take my robot somewhere! <laughs> my robot wants to see the world, okay? Oh my god, I'm so good at horse ventriloquism! <laughs> Look at how much ventriloquism I'm doing! Violet just invented the word robot in public, apparently. <laughs> good. People hear it and they go back to their families and they're like, Do you hear that they're calling Modrons robots? Right. Vi Violet is like the Shakespeare of this world, just like making up words. And it just catches on like wildfire and soon everyone's yeah. saying it. Okay. How's that for some role playing? So you guys walk across Mykonos. Uh, you know where the manor is because Swift will tell you. It's in the mm -hmm. most affluent part of town, Natch. Uh, you have to walk across some kind of shadier areas along the way. But uh, when anyone sees swift on top of violet whether they were just walking by or maybe they're looking like they're going to accost you or something they immediately turn on their heels and just start going back the way they came like without hesitation nobody nice. takes a single look at swift and does not flee and as you guys move out of that area and into the more affluent part of town you see some immediate changes uh one is that there are coordinated efforts to put sandbags and barriers up so that this is the last area to sink Mm. we've talked about before there's like a series of canals and stuff and in the poorer areas there's just like no uh infrastructure to deal with the rising waters and you've seen you know buildings are starting to go under in some areas but the the richer the area the longer it looks like it's gonna last hey swifty do you know why everyone's so afraid of you they must be criming <laughs> mm -hmm. hey swifty how come you were chained up in that cell criminals Oh, okay. Oh. What kind of criminals? Ruffians! Oh, they roughed you up. I'll protect you from the ruffians. Just stay on me. We're gonna be best friends. Thank you, Deputy Lee. <laughs> At least they weren't lollygaggers, right? <laughs> lollygagging is not against any Mykonos statutes. Oh, we can lollygag like fuck. <laughs> Which would make it the perfect crime. The type of crime that isn't illegal. Oh my god. All of a sudden, Swift's eyes close, and it seems to be in really deep thought about this, and it's silent <laughs> for the rest of the travel, as if processing this. Oh my god, you gave it a logical paradox. Why <laughs> did you do that? It's like the thing you don't do with robots. So as you guys approach Rosemary Manor, it's pretty noticeable. It's not a tall building, it's uh, one story, but it's pretty large in width. Uh, it's also on a pretty lavish estate. There's a lot of like vegetation and stuff and it's it's seaside but of course with tons of sandbags so that it does not flood and there also appears to be some sort of private dock. This private dock is covered so it occurs to you that if you were to perhaps need somewhere to modify the Violet One when you get the means and information to do so it might be nice to have this as an area to accomplish that because you've lost access to glitter gold facilities by making an enemy of them. <laughs> So is there anything in particular you guys want to do before you just walk up and, I guess, knock on the door? I have a question. Mm. We didn't cover this. How long does Violet's uh, drug thing last? <laughs> That's a phenomenal question. It shouldn't have affected you at all because you're uh -huh. immune. So uh -huh. it's just Calvin Ball at this point, and that's not because of, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but because <laughs> something is going on. It's fun, too. Um, I was just curious. Just let me know, like, when yeah. it, it starts to, uh, like, fade. Let's do a constitution check right now. Okay. Let's... Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have... Oh, I have such good constitution. That's, like, your whole dealio. <laughs> it is. Oh, not good. Oh, <laughs> it's a seven. <laughs> oh, God. So you were hearing things before. Now you're seeing things. Nice. What do I see? Or can is I make up frogs? I, I really hope it's more frogs. You know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it, like, for a really great moment. I really want, like, this drug to just be frog-related. All right, so you guys doing anything in particular in your approach? Um, Jimmy Elias, I think Violet's still tripping balls. <laughs> Do you think we should leave her, like, maybe, maybe, like, only one of us should go, and one of us should hide with Violet or chill out here with Violet, because who knows what the fuck she's going to do? <laughs> I, I understand your concern, even though... 
I, I don't see Violet tripping over anything, much less balls. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no, she's really high. Like, she she did a bunch of drugs, she's, Elias. But she's on the ground. Though. You guys invent, like, six new drug slangs, and now everyone in Lorelai uses it. Oh, my it. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think I understand what your concern is, though. Uh, perhaps I should be the one that goes uh, and talks to the residents. Can I make a muzzle for her? <laughs> um, I don't have any quick way of fashioning something. Damn. The best I could do was be to attempt to put Violet to a, put Violet sleep, but <laughs> I have a bad feeling about doing that. Yeah, I don't know if this is a good idea. So, because on one hand, I want to go with and see what's happening because I'm nosy, but on the <laughs> other hand, I just don't trust Violet because she's insane. Can Violet hear any of this? It's up to it's up to them if they're talking within. <laughs> no offense, Violet, I love you. Okay, I mean, let's be honest here. How could Violet know whether or not these are actually us talking, and not <laughs> Those just are frogs, not just illusions of her of her mind? Why are you giant hunks of cheese talking to me? Because we're salty. The random uh, guy from the last episode runs by, going, "Anybody got any cheese?" <laughs> and oh he just God. keeps running. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. All for right. That. Uh, at least for the moment, I'll head up first, establish what's going on, and if it's something, and if it's safe, uh, I could just wave the rest of you in if we establish that it's safe but uh, if you think that's best uh lavinia okay i think that's a good idea if this guy is like the son of the glitter gold dude then he's probably pretty aware of like our bounty and while the pictures don't look like us a talking <laughs> horse is a dead giveaway i can only lie about being a ventriloquist for so long i mean i have magic at my disposal that can aid in this but hmm, that's true that also only can last for so long. Okay. Are there, like, any benches outside or anything? Um, You guys can just, like, chill. There's a lot of um landscaping on this estate, so you guys can just, like, stand behind some bushes or whatever. It's not a thing. Okay. Hey, Violet, let's go take a nap behind these bushes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> okay, you Asiago, you. Okay. Excuse me, I am much more of a Brie. Oh. This is see. This is getting dangerous because I'm afraid Violet's going to try to eat one of the party. Oh, jeez. Violet, I'm not cheese. I'm Lavinia. Mm, you say that, and yet you are cheese. It's because you did too many drugs and you didn't share. That's what happens when you don't share. Carmen's a bitch. If you are I'm trying to remember the significance of this particular residence as it pertains to the case. So first of all, it's if anybody has questions, just ask. I would love to give you, because it also mm -hmm. refreshes the audience. Rosemary Manor is the residence of Isaac Rosemary, the son of the president of Glitter Gold. And mm -hmm. the bounty offering 10,000 gold pieces for the killer mm -hmm. is registered in his name. So he put out that bounty, and it, the bounty says to inquire at the manor for him. Right. All right, then. Then uh, once Elias sort of sees that Violet and Lavinia sort of separated out a little bit, he... Moves on up to the front door of the manor, you know, dusts himself off slowly, and then just moves to knock on the door. Elias knocks on the door, and after a couple moments, you hear someone walking on their side, and then it swings open, and you are met by a bluebird-colored Kenku woman Ooh. who looks you over and then says, mm -hmm. in Sylvan, hello there. Ooh. Hello there. Is uh is Mr. Rosemary uh, available? Uh, I'm here to inquire about his uh about his request pertaining to well the unfortunate events that have been plaguing this town. So did it was that in common? No, Sylvan. All right. Oh, actually, uh, let, let me a little bit. Uh, do I have Sylvan? I think I have Sylvan in a lot of my languages. Yeah. It's for anybody who's curious, Sylvan is the language of the Feywild. It is to that plane as common as to this one. She looks at you baffled as if she did not understand what you said and pulls out a cigarette and uses a, a little bit of magic to light it. A cantrip, you assume, mm. and puts it in like a classy holder and just looks at you and she says, what are you here for this time in common? And you get the sense. Maybe if you showed up in our world wearing a French flag shirt mm -hmm. and then she said wee oui, wee oui, mm -hmm. or something like au revoir, bonjour. Like, she didn't actually speak it. She was just, because you're... Right, right, right. She, you're she, an Aladrin. So right. <laughs> she, sees, she sees that I'm Aladrin uh -huh. and greets me in Sylvan and then surprised when I respond back to Sylvan. She's like, oh, shit, I don't know this. Yeah. I just know, hello, where's the restroom? Yeah. Donde esta el elf baño? Like, she was not prepared for a full conversation. 
my apologies. I'm sorry about that irresponded comment. Mr. Rosemary, uh, I wish to speak to him about the murders that have been happening and his request for someone to resolve, well, this unfortunate series of events. Without answering, she just turns around and starts walking away and just yells into the house, Isaac! Isaac! And just leaves the door open and starts walking. <laughs> Elise glances around for a moment and then just takes a quiet step or two in to take a look inside the the building or at least inside the manor. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty nice house. It's not a full-on mansion with like many stories, but it's something that uh, mm -hmm. it would inspire envy in more common people. Is there still like stuff well ornamented and looking like it's in good order? Like things that are there things that have like good monetary value sitting around or at least ordaining things around the place or has it been kind of stripped down out of curiosity? It's ordinarily furnished. It doesn't look like it's been uh, stripped down. It doesn't look like anything like untoward has happened. It looks like it hasn't right, been dusted right. in a couple weeks, maybe. Yeah, I'm totally. Uh, like Elias is not casing the joint to drop stuff from here later. To to no, sorry fans at home, he's not that kind of rogue. No. So the question is, do you follow her into the house? I, I follow her into like the front foyer area while she still calls out for Isaac, mm -hmm. and he's just observing and just looking around to see if anything looks particularly unusual up front. All right, perception check. Yeah, seven. I don't. Probably nothing in particular. Not super great. The only thing I would give you is that you don't notice anything pertaining to Garl Glittergold. Right. Which is, I mean, the company's named after him. So you'd think there'd be like something, an altar or, you know, some items of worship or something. Mm -hmm. But no, none of that. That's a little weird. Okay. Well, uh, then at least we'll wait for a moment to see if Isaac shows up or if he can just hear the Kenku calling out for him still. Yeah, I mean, if you, st if you stay and wait, eventually <laughs> the Kenku returns, this time with a gnome and a half-orc in tow. I think this is the first time anyone's seen a half-orc. Mm. It's a half-human, half-orc. It looks mostly human, has kind of a grayish complexion to the skin. Minor tusks and stuff like that. Two teeth poke up a little bit out of the lip. They're just, they're just peeking. That's not a full-on tusk situation. Um, but let me describe these characters a little bit. So you've got the bluebird Kenku woman. Mm -hmm. You've got... The half-orc, which is also a woman, about six and a half feet tall, very well built. She's dressed uh, in, I would say, like athletic gear. And so is the gnome. You assume they were doing like something athletic because mm -hmm. they both are like sweaty and have like towels and stuff. Uh, the, gnome has <laughs> the gnome has a big neck tattoo. Mm. Sweet. Yeah, which basically looks like a bunch of uh, the D&D equivalent of tribal art. Hmm. <laughs> Have we ever talked about gnomes? They're like so important to this campaign. Let me take a moment to distinguish gnomes from the other short D&D races, because I think they're very easily confused. So there's yes. dwarves, gnomes, and halflings are kind of the three classic short dudes. <laughs> they're kind of similar. They're all good races. Mm -hmm. They're all uh, like smart, and they're all good at doing certain stuff. But the main difference is kind of like sturdiness, or like what's a better word than wit? Stoutness is Stout, one. Stout, that's it. Yeah. Dwarves obviously being the stoutest. Yep. Then halflings, and then gnomes at the bottom. Gnomes are like noticeably thin and um, like slight. Um, not that they can't be fighters or anything. And depending on the particular mythology you're rolling with, gnomes are similar to like Aladrin in that they are attuned or at least akin to the Feywild itself in some capacity. Yeah. No. If you're a gnome character, like a player character, you can start with some, some magic, usually illusion magic, and also with the ability to make like small clockwork stuff, mm -hmm. like little items, because they're very like inventive. Yeah. Whereas hobbits are known for being like tricksy, sneaky, stealthy. Dwarves are like mine. They have big beards. They're very like Lord of the Rings. Yep. But this is a gnome, so it's kind of a slight guy, um, about the same height as Lavinia. He looks like he just got done working out. He has a neck tattoo. Um, he says, hey, bro, what do you want? Glee uh, just sort of takes a moment, and Job just sort of hops from one of his shoulders to the other. I take it you are Isaac, sir? Yeah, that's me. What's up? I heard that you're trying to do something about the, well, murders that have been happening around town. Yeah, my brother got killed. Bunch of my friends. Oh, jeez, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I couldn't imagine what it was like to hear those that news your your request uh stated that you wanted people to inquire directly with you so obviously here i am yeah i mean there's been a murder every night for months 
dog. Yes. Like, we need we need something done about this now, bro. <laughs> I, I I totally get it, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't bro me if you don't know me. <laughs> uh, my mistake. I. It's it's been a, it's been a long day to say the least. I've been trying to mull over some of the information and come up with whatever I can to find patterns. Yeah, yeah, that's in... cool. Like I'll, I'll buy the autobiography later. You got it for sale? You got it with you? I'll, I'll send it to my people. It's it's fine. What do you want? Well, I want to get any information I can from you to allow me to solve this case. Boring. I'm bored. I'm bored already. Can you uh, can you come back with more people and then just like nut up and help us? I I have people with me that can help right outside this door here. Uh, well, th then you're wasting my time with this current conversation. So can you go? Oh my god! Uh, listen, uh, just give me one moment, Isaac. All right. All right. I'm gonna sneak in like ten sets here. Come on, Jem. And he waves to the half work, and she follows him out of the room. <laughs> I love that her name is Jem. Elise sort of backs out, leans out the door, looks for to where uh, Vinny is. <laughs> While you do that, the Kenku just leans against the wall and smokes her cigarette. Uh, before actually, before he does that, he looks at the Kenku, and after Isaac sort of sits back, he's like, Elise, like he just looks, just kind of points to Isaac. It just sort of like makes sort of a confused face, and then says, "Is he planning on just hunting down the murderer himself? What else do rich boys do but hunt?" <laughs> uh, that is wow not an un inapt statement them and their swords am i right <laughs> <laughs> indeed i i shall return and with my uh compatriots and then as he sort of turns to leave job to like flying flies up and sort of perches himself on a chandelier <laughs> kind of above as Elise sort of steps out of the house to look for Vinny. All right, so that crew is going to muster its forces. Let's cut back over to Drop. Drop, you are standing in the repository in the Temple of Primus. Yeah. Uh, how, how did your Jeopardy think music treat you? Uh, well, you know, like I've come down to a few um, choices, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the scroll is important because it's got the bumblebee on it, um, which I believe is um, in a previous episode you mentioned how Elona communicates with Vinny. Yes. Close reading. Love it. But I I don't know if that's necessarily something that Drop would take because he's feeling a little cast off by the party right now. Mm. So the other things that I thought were interesting was the loop, mm -hmm. um, because it being a Garl Glitter Gold might I don't know give some leverage over the Glitter Gold faction. I mean, if you read the description, it's it was donated. Okay, okay, all right. So not necessarily leverage. Maybe insight, though, or something. And um, possibly the, the robe or the arrow, but I, I don't use bows. Mm. And the robe? I don't know. Plus six to bureaucracy sounds pretty good, man. <laughs> so, you know, like, and this, so this is the thing, is that, that meta style, I kind of recognize that maybe the scroll would be the way to go. Like, that's, that's how I feel like the writing in the campaign is. But I... Mm, I, you know. But would drop do it? I mean, the writing in the campaign was to make this a bit of a difficult decision. So yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad to see I've I've succeeded. Yeah. Do you take pleasure from it? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's take the baby telescope off the list. All right. Because if it was donated, then obviously they didn't think it was super fucking important. So then we have the robe. I'm taking the arrow off the list, too, because, like I said, I don't use bows. Drop wouldn't look at that and go, finally, for me, something that speaks to me. For me? Um, so there's the robe and the scroll, then. Take the scroll. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you want the scroll, Lauren. I know you want me to take the scroll. I, I want you to take the teddy bear, because I want to see what happens. But um, you you do you. Now the, the teddy bear's out, man. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. <laughs> Just like, nah. -uh. Okay. Watch the teddy bear was the right answer all along. That there, that there teddy bear is more cursed than Ruxpin. <laughs> <laughs> he's a stuffed dire weasel. <laughs> My God. You know what? I'm gonna flip a coin. Yes. Oh. That's D and D as hell. 
That's D and D as fuck. All right. Oh no, we'll roll a die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll roll a die. Roll two sided die. Okay. Yeah. So no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll a d six. Okay. Even, I take the robe. Odd, I take the scroll. Okay. Oh my gosh. Even. Ooh. Oh my gosh. And you crit it. <laughs> I mean, on d six. <laughs> Still. I'm gonna roll a d one. Oh shit, I crit. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna reach for the robe. All right, you put your hand on the glass, and uh, after a moment, you hear a click noise, mm-hmm. and the case basically comes apart, but doesn't it doesn't clatter to the ground. It just floats apart, obviously by magic, and allows you access to it. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna whisper thank you to the statue. <laughs> I hope I made the right choice, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna pick the robe up. Just don't drink from it, or else you might age rapidly <laughs> and die. <laughs> Are you going to put it on or just carry it? Ooh. Should I go mad with power, you guys? Yes. <laughs> if you're trying to picture this robe, um, let me make sure this is what comes up if you Google this. Yep. <laughs> it's all it is. Put it in the chat right now. Joe Namath coat. J-O-E space N-A-M-A-T-H coat. He was a sports guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but sh- but shiny, right? Google's like we have that from every angle, dog. We got you. That is a really fabulous coat. You know what the best part is? Yeah. What's that? In the ten thousand images of this coat, there's one that's not Joe Namath. It's fucking Macklemore. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there it is. All right. Yeah, so it's a big, puffy, like, almost like a pimp coat, but classier. Oh. Okay, then I absolutely have to put it on. All right. Okay. When you put it on, you feel, is invigorated a proper verb? Invigorated. Invigorated. Yeah. Wow, words are beyond me today. Hmm. You're doing all right, Austin. Stick with it. Yeah, you feel energized and full of light. <laughs> and suddenly, you find yourself on the other side of the room in a cloud of mist. Oh, did he bamf? For a moment, you see trees and sky, and then you're just on the other side of the room in a, a little cloud of mist, as you've seen Elias do multiple times. You now have the coat of his god, <laughs> and you have been gifted with the face step. Oh, nice. As well as one AC. One AC. Elias is going to see that coat and be like, dude, bro, bro, what, bro, what the fuck you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I need everyone to appreciate this with me. Mm-hmm. Uh... I'm still looking at the like the Google image results. Yeah. And the IKEA monkey's there. <laughs> so Drop finds himself on the other side of the room, now wearing mm-hmm. the teleporting powerful coat of a god, an elf god, and words appear before him. We hope this will aid your quest to bring law to Lorelei. Is there anything else we can help you accomplish? If that thing in my heart doesn't belong, how would I get it out? Can I get it out? Whatever is inside of you, and there is something inside of you, is beyond our power. My heart bends to no law. Mm. (laughs) Well, um, what do you know about geshes? (laughs) I believe the plural is geisha? Geisha? No. Because that that doesn't sound right at all. You cannot. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know about geisha? Uh, Okay, drop Goodwood. Strap in. This is going to be a ride. Oh my god. <laughs> the letters appear before you and it says Primus sees your heart and sees your question and we don't have the answer you're looking for but we have an answer you need. Ooh. Will you receive it? I will. From Drop's perspective and he pretty quickly reasons that this is not for everyone who's just milling about. Yeah, stop listening everybody. You too, audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't. No. <laughs> the Temple of Primus goes dark, mm-hmm. and then suddenly there is the ghostly outline of the room in this darkness, and you see all eight cases in the circle full, full up with their items, but no central statue of Primus himself. Uh, and then you see the ghostly outline of the rest of the room, and those lights that beckoned you into this room now beckon you to the north entrance, the drow entrance. You know, these beckoning lights did not turn me wrong the first time, so mm-hmm. lay on, beckoning lights. All right, drop you, enter the north corridor, and once again, you see the Temple of Primus 
outlined in this ghostly after image, like like a photo negative almost, mm-hmm. as if no one else is here. And you know they are. You can hear them. But whatever this is, whatever's being shown to you is just being shown to you. Right. And you see above you the glass with those bars. But in the ghostly image, there are no bars. Mm-hmm. There's just the glass. And you see standing on it a reptilian figure. It's a it's a kobold, a skinny lizard woman, and she's wearing almost like a Freddy Krueger glove. It's not she's not wearing the full armor you've seen her in now. Mm-hmm. Um, you've never seen her face before, actually, <laughs> but you you put two and two together, and she as she carves open a circle in the glass in the ceiling, and then someone out of your sight hands her a rope and drops it through, and you understand that you're seeing what is essentially magic security footage. Awesome. <laughs> so. The Blackhearts descend this rope into the Temple of Primus, as you've never seen them before. Fox is not wearing his big red coat. His hand is normal. He's carrying a big wooden club. Is there is there still a sword sticking out of his neck? Nope. In fact, Joan is carrying a black slender sword. The blade's so black like a night sky that you, when you look at it, it's like dizzying how just absolute its darkness is. Uh, Sherry's there in her coat, but without any bandages on across her chest. Uh, she's wearing a bandolier of syringes and vials. Uh, Lita's there, just a normal kobold. Uh, she doesn't have her tail, but she's not wearing any armor, and there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with her. And th- they kind of sneak around the Temple of Primus, ambushing the little cute orb robots that you've come to love Mm -hmm. Um, almost like a video game where they sneak up and then there's like the contextual button prompt (laughs) to wail on them press x to execute modron press o to 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 hug them capacitate (laughs) fox just clubs them down uh lita stabs them with her big freddy krueger glove that's the only thing that even looks remotely like her armor but you assume it's like a prototype of what eventually would become her gauntlet right jones stabs them and then sherry just drags their broken bodies up the rope and onto the roof and just starts making a pile of them and in this way they clear out the entire north wing and you can't hear any sound this is just the ghostly after image of this of this heist that you've heard so much about um and at some point it looks like they've they've done it they've stolen all the modron in the north wing and there's a discussion between them and it seems like everyone wants to go like they've done it but lita insists on checking out the repository Mm mm-hmm and against what appears to be everyone else's wishes, walks away in that direction. Sherry goes up the rope, and Fox follows a little bit after Lita, and Joan just stands there conflicted. Where where do you go? I'm, I'm going to follow Lita. So you follow Lita into the repository, where, as I said again, all the eight items are in the circle, but there is no central statue in this ghostly image. There's just a space. Mm-hmm. Um, and she walks around as she looks at all these items, um, just like a look of astonishment and awe on her face as she looks over all of them. And she reaches out and puts her hand on the glass of the one with the Lolf fang in it. And suddenly lights start flashing inside the temple and Fox and Lita start running back to the hallway. Mm -hmm. And I assume you follow. Yeah. And at this point, seeing them running, Joan turns and starts going up the rope. Um, But you also see coming down the other way in this hallway is a figure just sprinting just doing a total usain bolt across the north wing and it is a cube modron wielding a screaming sword and as it reaches the rope and joan climbing up it it swings and takes her leg off in a single strike and she goes screaming to the floor in a fountain of blood and fox tries to meet this Modron club to chainsaw and it explodes in splinters and goes everywhere. It's a one, two. The first strike explodes the club. The second severs his hand at the wrist and he just goes down clutching it. Lita tries to throw her body over Joan to protect her. It looks like she's begging. You can't hear anything, but she's covering Joan's bleeding body and just begging the cube to stop, but it doesn't. It lunges forward and just buries that chainsaw into her eye socket. And it's not a clean wound. It takes off nearly a quarter of her skull. And it's the most terrifying. (laughs) It's the goriest thing you've ever seen. And when Lita crumples on top of Joan, she's not dead immediately, but twitching in the most disgusting way you've ever seen. So this is the Halloween episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And as the cube turns, it sees Fox trying to struggle to his feet, holding his gushing wrist 
and as the cube raises its chainsaw to finish him, Sherry dives through the hole in the ceiling, and the cube turns and impales her through the chest with the chainsaw Mm. in another shower of gore. She's stuck on a running, spinning chainsaw and thrown to the ground. No. And then you see the cube standing over these four broken people, and it just starts, you can't hear anything, but you see its mouth moving, and it's yelling about something, and it's waving its weapon around, and everyone's bleeding and crying, and Joan is trying to comfort Lita, who's dying in her arms. And this moment seems like it goes on forever, but then it stops. And you can't explain what you see next. It's almost like there's an explosion of change mm-hmm. over this scene. Everything just changes in an instant. Fox has a red hand, a clawed hand. Joan's leg is stops at the knee as if it was always that way. Sherry has some sort of plant material, some kind of pulsing, throbbing, twitching spider halfway in and out of her chest as if it's some, a, a part of her. And Lita has what appears to be a diamond in her eye socket of her now repaired skull. And the black hearts just pounce on, on this cube and just mulch him. They absolutely crush him with everything they are. Fox's hand just pulverizes him. Sherry actually gets down all fours like a dog and just tears him apart with her teeth and claws. And you can hear what she said to Vinny in the second episode. Just, sometimes I cannot help myself. (laughs) And just savaging it like an animal. And Lita as well, just with with her claw, just slashing and slashing at this thing until it's nothing but parts. And then you see Joan shakily get to her feet by the rope, look at her friends, and there's a noticeable distance between them she didn't take part in this and she just looks at them gathers up her sword and climbs the rope and they depart with their with their bounty of modron but the vision doesn't end and you're now standing in this hallway in this ghostly vision Mm -hmm. and nothing's happening in this hallway and there's no noise so yeah i'm gonna take a quick moment to examine the modron on the ground as close as i can see if i can tell anything about it he is shattered down to his components in a way in which even if it was rebuilt, it would never work the same way again. Mm-hmm. Can I can I interact? Like uh, the vision, I'm, I'm guessing it's ephemeral. It's not solid, right? Absolutely. So I, okay, so I couldn't haul up the rope. Um, how close am I to the, to the exit then? You're about halfway. It's like in the midsection of the hallway. Okay, I'm gonna sprint like a mofo to the like to the exit. If the vision starts to fade, I'm gonna stop and turn around and go back. Yep, that's exactly what happens. Okay, then I'm going back to the reliquary room. Mm-hmm. And as you walk into the room, in the center of the room where there was nothing, and in the future there's a statue, you see a tear in space time, mm-hmm. just as if someone took a knife and cut through the air, and you know in your very soul that what you see is a portal. Can I see through the portal in the vision, or is it obscured? You get right up as close as you can, and when you look through the portal, you see blackness, but it's moving. There are things in it. It's a blackness that is alive. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the vision ends. Okay. I think that's where we're going to leave drop (laughs) for this episode. Okay. Damn. Jeez. Well, I, I certainly hope we don't see anything that could fill the profile of some dismembering psycho cube. Um, back with a totally chill, innocent, not in any danger party. You guys gather outside of Rosemary Manor, uh, and I, Elias explains to you the disposition of the people inside. Right. Uh, the Kenku tells you that her name is Judy. So you have Isaac the gnome. Jem, the half-orc, and Judy, the kenku. Hi, Judy! I really like your feathers! Thanks. I grew them myself. (laughs) They're very nice. Yes, so what is Isaac's plan, other than just trouncing about till we find someone that fits the M.O., uh, or whatever terms are used to describe criminals? (laughs) She says, Isaac doesn't want to find anything. There's been a murder every night which means whatever is killing people, whoever is killing people, is coming for us eventually. So all we have to do is sit back and wait, and it will come to us. We could ambush the serial killer thing, like like 
like stay here and then just, like jump out of the bushes and, like and go ah I'm gonna get you. Why would anybody kill cereal? <laughs> Droll. <laughs> I had to. If you guys are successful, you may be the highest paid bodyguards in the history of Lorelei. I guess that's cool. That's the offer on the table. Do you want to come meet the crew? Yes. Yes. New friends. That'll be fine. All right. So she walks you back into the room where you find Isaac on a bench doing bench presses while <sighs> Jem spots him. That's clearly what they've been doing the whole time is just working out. And Isaac doesn't seem particularly interested in any of you. But when you guys walk in the room, Jem flips out and she goes, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Are you, is that, are you Lavinia? <laughs> Who? Me? What? Oh my God. I saw you in the, in the, in the, in the RW. When I went backpacking, my my gap year. Oh my God! You did that that song, the uh, dun 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 dun, uh, the 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 Vinny and the Jeffs, dun 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 dun. That that one. That's my favorite. Oh yeah, I forgot when the Jeffs backed me up. <laughs> they were they were mostly good. There was one guy who was okay, and there was one who was very bad. But the rest. <laughs> There was a there was a continuum is what I'm saying, but you were fired. <laughs> Vinny gives her a leaf. Oh my god, thanks. Holy sh- this is going in my, my scrapbook. And she just runs out of the room. Nice. I'm so <sighs> popular. Eventually Isaac finishes his set, sits up and goes, uh, Crazy Cube and Horse gotta wait outside. I don't know what you guys think you're doing here. Uh I'm not going anywhere. <sighs> horse ventriloquism <laughs> Alright, deception? Oh, God, Violet, I hate you. <laughs> I mean, I love you, but I hate you. She's gone. She's tripping balls, She's, I know. What's, what's, what's amazing is that Violet is gone while having not ingested anything that would have allowed her to be gone. I rolled a 16. I think it's pretty clear that her cracked horn is, like, making her lose her, like, poison drug immunity. I, I don't think that's how it works, but... <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that is how it works. 16 is okay. good enough. So where he goes, actually, I don't care about the horse. <laughs> Crazy Cube has to be outside. I ain't letting that motherfucker in here. Why? What do you have against justice? It's Crazy Cube. What do you mean? He, everyone knows about Crazy Cube. I don't know about Crazy Cube. He's my friend. Would that be why that, that people locked him in one of the cells? At the state? I mean, he was deactivated in the station. Mm. Is Swift Justice still, like, zonked out doing a logical paradox or, like... Exactly. Which is actually amazing for all of you that he doesn't, he's not uh, taking part in this. Okay. This thing was what told us about, well, the bounty, as it were, which is the only reason why it's with us at the moment. Okay, well, he, well, he can guard the door. That's, uh, that's a fair enough idea. Cube, outside. Oh, it's, it can't respond. It's still caught in the loop. Look uh, at me. As... Look at me. Eyeballs, mm. look at me. Mm. Put the cube outside hey man what's your damage this guy's getting super aggressive and you know what that does to violet <laughs> i just want to like like a little out of character heads up right now uh-huh um, uh like, like, like at least at least just sort of like has joe like land on violet's head to distract her and then moves to guide violet out of the house okay <laughs> that i i'm gonna i'm gonna say that works all right so you guys put uh swift justice on the stoop outside should somebody watch him? Violet will stay out and watch Swift Justice. Violet really likes Swift Justice. Violet, we can't trust you with anything. Yeah, leave, leave the drug-addled horse outside with the tripping robot. <laughs> this actually is pretty amazing. I think Swift Justice and Violet should patrol the grounds while you guys set up inside for what is going to be a spooky night <laughs> of waiting for a serial killer. <laughs> so there's a million different ways you guys can approach this, and I'm excited to see how you do, because I have no idea what you're going to do, but I've made a little play area for you, mm-hmm. and to end this episode, I want to show you guys the map, mm-hmm. okay. and I want you to give the audience your reaction, and that's how we'll end okay. it. Boy. Okay. All right. In three, two... Oh my god! It's a pretty amazing joke. <laughs> oh, I oh. fucking hate you! Get out of here! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Got it. <laughs> Dibs on the lead pipe. <laughs> I call the candlestick. Ah, shit. I was going to go for the candlestick. <laughs>
We're looking at the clue board. We we have a clue as to what we're looking at. This is what you're saying, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God. I don't even know anymore. I give up. Austin's broken me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited about how this is going to shake out. All I can say is this is just a... I, I like the fact that I think we're going to be completely fucked in some capacity. <laughs> Unless, unless somehow we just our dice just light up next week, so I'm glad that we had some crap rolls today because mm-hmm. I hope that just sort of makes karma swing back against us in a good way. I mean, you're just going up against a thing that's killed like dozens of people with a single blow. Yeah. Question: In this world, do grappling nets exist? <laughs> grappling nets? You're a horse. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. Like a gun that shoots out and it's a big net with like weights on the edges. Yep. Yeah, sure. Yes. I'm going to I'm gonna ask um the dude bro for one ne- next week. Okay. You're a horse. It doesn't matter. We're going to figure it out. I think we just keep yelling you're a horse. <laughs> Thanks, Austin. I just Colonel Mustarded everywhere. Stop oh it. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I set my sail. Fly the wind, it will take me back to my home, sweet home. Lie on my back, clouds are making way for me, I'm coming home, sweet home. I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our theme songs, which include Tears and Rain, an arrangement of Seattle from Deus Ex Invisible War. Dream Eater Mix, an arrangement of Lavender Town's theme from Pokemon, and Akid Pella, an arrangement of Setting Sail Coming Home from Bastion. Executive producers for Dice Funk for the month of October 2016 are Joseph Timbrello, Extellaris, King Waza, Jade, Kirsten Haslinger, The Cult of Gorfnax, Tarka, Allison Ansel, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Wayne Witzke, Brent, Irving Royale, Athos, Radley, Ingmar Gremmen, David Page, The Black Fedora, Mirren Bati, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weaver, Emmanuel Garcia, Paul Mullen, Sarah Handley, Zenith Will Rule, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Ariel Badgerelise, Dylan, Gary Sayan, Exley, Anna Stuhlfarr, Dash on the Rage Monster, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Vigor Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, and Taylor Hoyt. If you want to support the show directly, you can find me at patreon.com slash austinyorski, and you can find Leon at patreon.com slash renegadecut. You can also help us spread the word about the show by finding us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, YouTube, or anywhere else and subscribing, commenting, rating, or reviewing us. We also have a fan forum at thefunkyshack.boards.net. Thanks for spending time with us, and have a spooky October.